Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Welcome to The Art of Being You on this, which is our final episode for 2021. I don't know about you, but I am saying a Riverderci to this year. Uh, I am excited to get past it and hopeful for new beginnings from the Lord. So as I'm sure you are aware, we are taking December off of this year. So there's no new episodes. This is the final one of 2021. And um, look, I want to just pause for a second and say thank you so much for all of you guys who listen and share this podcast with your friends and family, your coworkers, your small group. I mean, we actually doubled our listener base this year um, in a way that I was shocked by. So we started... Um, I had a goal of hitting 10,000 downloads. We actually hit that at the end of January, beginning of February. And I thought, you know what? Let's try for 20,000. Well, look, you guys, I didn't even think that was possible uh, to do in this year, specifically because it took a couple years to get to 10,000. But you know what? By the end of October, we actually hit the 20,000 mark. Um, and we have been smooth sailing ever since. My mind is completely blown. And what that says to me is that uh, you guys are liking the podcast. You're enjoying it. And uh, I hope that that's the case. So I just want to say a huge thank you to you for listening, for sharing. And um, man, it just means a lot. Last announcement, and I promise not to say this every single week, but I've been saying it every week for a while. And that is that I'd love for you to sign up for our ministry newsletter. So you can go to www.rachelwartman.com. At the bottom of the homepage, there's a little button where you can enter your email address and you can sign up for our newsletter, which will give you a monthly devotional um, type thought, just engaging thought, a little mini clip, so to speak, in writing of what we talk about on the podcast. And then also give you an opportunity to be one of the first to know information about my book as it's getting ready to come out at the start of the new year. So I am so pumped for you guys to get your hands on goodness culture recovering the essence of Eden. It's going to be awesome. Um, okay, so I told you last week that I had a bit of a prophetic word for you guys um, for this week. And so I want to dive in and share that because this is something that I feel is so important for us as believers to understand. And I want to talk to you guys about the presence of God. Now, don't just tune out because you think you know exactly what I'm going to say. I, I, I want to talk about it in a way that's different than what I hear most people talking about. You and I both know, we, we've heard this so many times, that the presence of God is important, right? The presence of God is not just the Holy Spirit. It is, his, um, it is the awareness of him. It is the part of him that we connect to. It is his very being. The presence of God is extremely important in our lives. And when I look at the Bible, in the when I do like the bird's eye view of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, what I see is a God who has been desperate to be among his people from the moment of creation. Think about it this way. God created Adam and Eve, he created mankind to be his family, right? You're going to be my children. He doesn't give that distinction to the angels, he doesn't give that to the other heavenly hosts. He gives that to humans, that we would be like God and become heirs of his family. God is looking for a family he can be with on the earth. 
And then we know what happens is, you know, the fruit debacle, the the Garden of Eden incident, right, where Eve uh, is um, deceived and then she draws Adam into the deception and then together and their agreement to uh, disobey, they break the world, right? We know this story. And from that point forward, God was unable to dwell among his people in the way that he wanted to. What did he want to do? Well, God wanted unbridled communion. God wanted unadulterated relationship. God wanted purity between him and his children. But now, of course, we have an issue, right? We have sin in the world. We have the effects of the fall. And so now what was a pure place for God to rest is no longer a pure place. It's a defiled place. And so his holiness cannot Um, make a habitation in this place now there's a problem and we know what happens if you've read Genesis it's such a great book you guys it's like it's like a soap opera right it's like a uh, a Yellowstone style drama where it's like death at every turn and intrigue and scandal and betrayal and oh my gosh it's a crazy book I love it But as we read Genesis, we see that God is consistently trying to be among his people but there's a problem every turn at every turn right? And so what happens? Well, eventually God raises up uh, Abraham and he makes this covenant with Abraham and again tries to dwell with Abraham uh, to be his God. And we know that that continues to be thwarted. And then, of course, with uh, uh, Isaac and then with Jacob and then Joseph and the whole all the, you know, Hebrews go into Egypt and become slaves for 430 years. God raises up Moses and through Moses, Moses brings about the law, right? He, he establishes the old covenant. And so in the old covenant, we have all of these rules for how to be with God. What were the rules for? Well, there were for a couple of things, but one of the things the rules were doing was to create a way for God to commune with his people. Why? Because that's what he's been looking for all along, Right. But we know, according to Hebrews, that the law was flawed. It didn't really work. It was like a Band-Aid on a big old bullet hole, you know, on a grenade uh, wounding on someone's side. It, it, can't, it couldn't fix the problem. What was the problem? The, the, the earth and the people have an issue that creates unholiness inside of them. And God cannot dwell in his holiness among the unholiness. So there's this chasm. So what is the solution to the chasm? If you are a believer, you already know the solution was Jesus Christ coming to the earth to become the sacrifice to fulfill the mandates of the law. Why? So that you and I could become a habitation of his dwelling place. I will never forget the first time I heard this phrase. I was in a a gym working out when I used to do that back when I had energy. Um, Probably should get back on that. So anyways, I was working out and I was listening to a sermon. And in the sermon, the speaker said, God is not wanting a visitation with his people. He is wanting a habitation. I just I can go back to that moment like right now in my mind. It was it struck me to my core. How many times are we asking God for a visitation when God is looking for a habitation? Do you know what the difference is? A visitation means he comes and goes. A visitation means he he shows up and then he leaves or we show up and then we leave. A habitation means it is a consistent dwelling. This is interesting stuff, right? 
Because most of us as Christians, we're sort of accustomed to the visitation schedule with God, that we show up on Sunday, we visit with God, maybe his presence shows up, maybe he's not in a good mood, that's how it feels sometimes, and and then we leave and we don't expect to have another visitation until the next either big speaker that comes into town or, you know, uniquely set of circumstances that, that provide that. But that is not what God wants. He actually wants a habitation how do I know this? Well, if we go back to the Old Testament, we know that Moses built this tabernacle, right? The tabernacle is a big deal, um, very interesting stuff, and it, it really it, it gives us a lot of insight into who God is. Confusing a little bit, yes, but it's also very, very rich in revelation. And there's this interesting statement uh, after the tabernacle was created. I, I made this joke the other day, and it's embarrassing. I probably shouldn't repeat it, but I'm going to say it again. But when Moses made the tabernacle, what happened is he went into the heavenly of he-, he went into the heavenly places, and he actually communed with God. He worshipped God in the throne room of heaven. And then God, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. God told him, "Now build what you saw on the earth. Build a replica on the earth." So Moses gets going and creating these plans and drawing out, you know, this needs to look like this and this is this, et cetera, et cetera. And then he has the people donate items to create the tabernacle. And then when it was all done, the items were done being crafted. Moses assembled them together in what was essentially a tent, but that is a a cheap way to explain it. This was like a tent house, like a a tent palace. So don't think of something um, that you would go camping in, you know, for the weekend. This is like one of those six room tents kind of thing. It was heavy fabric and um, very intense architectural uh, features. And so after he builds it, he covers the whole thing in oil. And this is the joke I made. He basically created a, a bodybuilder backstage area. There's just oil on everything. Moses anointed everything with oil. And when it was done being lathered up, the presence of God dropped onto this tent in a form of like a cloud. That's kind of what it looked like. And when the cloud descended upon the tent, Moses himself could not physically get inside of the tent of meeting anymore. He wanted to, but he couldn't physically fit in it. God's presence was actually tangible. This is extremely interesting. And then this brings us to this fascinating line of scripture that I read recently that I've just not been able to get out of my mind. And this is what I want to share with you today. Exodus 40, verse 38. It's the last, the last verse of chapter 40. God has descended on the tent, and uh, then it says that he began to lead the people. And this is where we get the cloud by day, the pillar of fire uh, by night. And he leads the people, and it says in the scripture, the NIV anyway, it says all the Israelites could see the presence of God. I'm paraphrasing there, but that's what it says, that the, the glory, the presence of God went before all the Israelites. This was interesting to me because sometimes we get this idea through what happened in the later parts of the story that God wanted Moses to be the intermediary between him and the people. We, we can kind of surmise that because Moses had these just extraordinary circumstances with God, situations with God. He was given these commandment tablets where God wrote on them. I mean, just all of this amazing stuff. But we forget that God invited everybody up onto the mountain. And when God began to lead the people... He made sure that all could see his leadership. What does this say to you and I? That means that God is not fully content unless all his people can see him, can sense him, 
can be with him, can commune with him. He wants a habitation with everyone, not just with the pastors or the prophets or the apostles. He wants to be with all of us. In fact, for that matter, that's sort of the very nature of Christmas, right? I mentioned this last week, Emmanuel, God with us, that God actually came into the earth to dwell among the people, to live among them. And I just have to believe that it was the delight of God to be among the people. The limitations, I'm sure, were very frustrating to be limited in the way that humans are, but the love in his heart to be able to commune and habitate, cohabitate with his creation, I think that brought him great joy. What was all of this for? Well, it was all leading up to Jesus becoming the final payment for our sins so that we could now be the temple of God. We are the temple of God. You know this. If you've grown up in church or you've been around church for a little while, you've heard this scripture. But what does that mean? That means that God wants a habitation in you. It doesn't matter what your giftings are. It doesn't matter what your economic status is. It doesn't even matter how much faith you have. That's what God wants. He wants to be in a habitation within you not just a visitation. He doesn't want you to just come into his presence and go out and spend a couple weeks before you come back. He longs to be with you. This concept of the indwelling presence is fascinating to me. I've been studying this for several years now, and um, it's, it's, it has not lessened in intrigue one bit. It's probably been, I don't know, three years now I've been studying this intently, maybe longer. And every it's like every new thing I study about it, I'm more fascinated. I'm more intrigued. I'm more confounded at the God of the universe who would go to such great lengths to be able to be one with you and me. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm a mess, you guys. And yet he wants to be one with me. This is crazy. In fact, the whole law, the whole law of Moses, the old covenant, was an attempt to find a way for God to be among his people. He's been trying all this time, and now he doesn't have to try anymore because through Jesus, he's given access, and we are given access to him. We're united with him, guys. Nine times in Ephesians chapter one, the the scripture says this in him, in him. We are in him. You are so fused with him that we don't know where you end and he begins. Now, I know it doesn't always feel like that, but that's what's true. It's what's true. God's primary goal has always been to dwell among his people, and that's where the story is headed. We began with a bird's-eye view of Genesis, and 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 when we look at Revelation, that's what's going to happen. There's going to be a new Eden, right? The tree of life is going to come back, that we're going to continue to dwell with him forever. <laughs> I don't know, guys. I just think it's mind-blowing that God would love you that much, that he would love me that much, that he would care that much to go to such great lengths so that we could be together constantly. I think sometimes in our flesh and in our our stress and in our pain and in our our post-traumatic stress and our trauma, we, we can't fathom how that could be true. And so we count ourselves out before we even get to experience it. We count ourselves out. We, we leave, you know. We leave before it really gets good. What would it look like this year? For you to end the year not leaving his presence. 
What would it look like through all the stress, through all the expectations, through all the challenges that are coming at you right now in your life to stay connected to God, to face those challenges with God, not as though God is against you, but that he is with you, leading you through. Nobody wants to get a, a, a prophetic word like what I'm about to share. There's a couple of times in my life where God has given me something that's fairly ominous for my life, and he's been true to his word when he's done that. And towards the beginning of this year, I felt like he said, um, you'll walk through the fire and you won't be burned, and you'll walk through the water and it won't overtake you. And, you know, I know this scripture enough to know that that means difficulty is ahead, right? Nobody, when you walk through fire, it's a very uncomfortable situation. I was filming a, a video for my youth ministry way back in the day. I mean, uh, probably 20 years ago. And uh, we were doing a bonfire. I was talking about just like how if we, you know, um, a lot of it was about sexual purity. And just when we go outside the bounds of what God is saying and, and it just becomes this raging fire. And we dumped so much gas on this bonfire. I don't know why we needed that much, but we did. We lit that sucker on fire and it made for an amazing video. And we turned the camera off and we couldn't get the fire out. And it began to spread across this field. So me and the person in the video and the person who owned the field began running down about 50 yards away to this little pond, grabbing little buckets of water and trying to stamp out this little grass fire before it consumed their whole field. It was so hot, even to get five feet from those flames, not even in the flames, but five feet from them, it was so hot it felt like my eyebrows were burning off. When you walk through the fire, but you won't be burned. That means it's going to get hot, hot, uncomfortable, stressful even, smoky. What would it look like in your life to go through something challenging and do it with the Lord instead of fighting against God? What would it look like to yield to his ever-present nature that wants to be a habitation in you, even though the circumstances of your life aren't getting any better just because you can sense him, feel him, hear him? I, I, that's a mystery to me. You know, I don't always understand how or why it works that way. I just know that it does, that he sends us into challenging things sometimes. He sends us into difficult things sometimes. And in that process, we can either grow toward him or we can go back on a visitation schedule. We can petition the judge and say, look, you know, maybe just two, two weeks a summer. Maybe that's all I can do. Two weeks every summer, Lord, that's good for me. Maybe we say every other weekend, right? Maybe it's every other day. But you know what God wants? Every day. Every day. All day long. To be with him. To commune with him. When you watch TV, you watch TV with him. When you're interacting with your kids, he's there with you. When you are thinking, he's in your thoughts. I'm not even saying that all your thoughts have to be about him all the time. But that you acknowledge his presence, you invite him in. That's what this whole thing was really all about. Emmanuel, God with us. Not just God to us. Not just God for us. But God with us. Friends, I, I want to challenge you as I, I leave you uh, with this final podcast of 2021. I want to challenge you to do what it takes to invite a habitation into your life. Because this is what the whole thing was about from beginning to where it's going to end. It's going to end in a habitation. And sometimes we just need to get comfortable with that idea. We need to let go of the rhythms and patterns of our flesh so that we can host the Lord better, right? We can enjoy him more. 
What I'm not talking about is legalistic pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I am not trying to say that you alone can make yourself into the likeness of Christ. That's what he does within you. What I am saying is that that's what he wants. He wants to be with you. That's the invitation before you. As you navigate the stressful moments of your life that are coming ahead, navigate them with him, not against him, not as though he's against you, but navigate them with him. Until next time, be blessed. So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wortman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed.